I'm excited to be here today. It's a big Sunday for Grace Community and for you and for us together. And today I'm going to encourage you and encourage me and us to get off the bus and attempt great things for God by getting into the game. And today we have a, could be a historical day where we cast some vision that God has laid on our hearts to move forward. And in moments like this, it always reminds me to look back and other times when God came through in unusual ways. And, and so the very building that you're in right now, there was a moment in time it wasn't here. And some of you might not remember that. Maybe you came and you're part of grace since its inception of this building has, had already taken place. But let me give you a little backdrop to this building right here that you're in today. There were a group of people that decided that God wanted them to reach the community in a larger way. They sacrificed and they gave. Uh, They met on Clinton Street and they moved to the middle school. And while they were there, um, God worked in their hearts and they sacrificially gave for this building. The DNA of Grace Community has always been God wants us to reach another person, and they haven't been reached. And until we breathe our last breath, we want to reach the person that hasn't been reached. Many of you benefit today because of someone's sacrifice from the past. And our hope is as we move forward that there's somebody that's not seated in this building now that will sit here eight, ten years from now and say, I'm grateful for that group uh, that decided to give. Backdrop to this ground right here. We had a team assembled together. They were called the Dream Team, and they, they were trying to make this dream come true. And we were looking for land to buy. We wanted to be in Goshen, centrally located, so people could easily find Grace Community Church. And so we began looking. We looked multiple places. We, we looked on West Clinton Street down the road from us. Some of you might remember that. We looked on the surrounding areas on the east side and west side and north side and south side. And this piece of property wasn't for sale. And many of us would travel from the south, would come to the building on Clinton Street. And as many times my family and I would drive, we often came up County Road 21 and made a left across 36 and headed uh, north on 19 and then headed right east on Clinton Street. And God allowed us to see this piece of property. And I remember one Sunday riding by and saying something to my wife, that would be a great place for a church. It wasn't for sale. Push came to shove, and our team got together and found out the landowner of this property. Approached her at the time and asked her if the property was for sale, and she said it wasn't. She was willing to arrange a meeting with me, and I remember sitting with her in a room and sharing the vision that we had for Grace Community Church, that we wanted to build a facility that was always meeting people in the community. We wanted to build a building that was for the community and in the community that people could come and use. And I remember being seated across the table from her. Arlene Christner was her name. And she shared this vision with us. And she shared that the property she had inherited from her father who had passed away. And she said that there were many people that went before her and came before us and wanted to purchase this property. Business owners, restaurant owners, uh, uh, places where you, storage units. And she had declined, 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 declined. If you remember the property, it was an area that was farmed at the time we purchased it. It had an alfalfa field with a big um, walnut tree in the middle of it. And we removed that tree and glad that we did. It had been all over the parking lot. Another story. Um, Some really wanted to hug it, but we needed to cut it down. Um, Another story for another day. Um, But we approached her, and uh, and I remember saying, she said, my father, um, who has passed on, loved Jesus. And she said, we've had many people wanting to buy this property. And she says, I can't think of a better thing than for a church to be placed on the property where my father once farmed. And she sold us that property at a, an incredible gift. And the elders at the time that were serving, I think there were seven or eight of us elders and pastors, actually sacrificially gave and bought the property. And I remember standing before the church one Sunday and saying, we feel like God wants us to move, and we've met with our leadership team, and our leadership team has already given enough sacrificially to buy the property. That began what many of you know as Grace Community Church. And before we built this building, the land that was actually being excavated, we all grabbed rocks on this first phase, and we, they were piled up. They were to go on the ground before the concrete was poured. And we took black Sharpie ink pens, and we wrote names of lost people that we knew. 
and all over this property that you are seated on this morning, underneath this floor that you're seated on here, are names of lost people that were planted in the foundations. And we prayed over those names, and we asked God, God, please, let us reach this person, this person, this person, this person, and this person, so that we can continue to see Goshen one to Christ. I remember one of my friends knew exactly roughly where the basketball court was going to be, and was trying to figure where the hoop was, and he stepped out 19.9 feet. If many of you don't know what that means, that's a three-point shot. 19.9 feet for high school. And he placed a stone in the ground. He said, every time I shoot here, I'm going to be praying for my friend. And we're praying that he comes to Christ. So the very DNA of Grace Community was built on lost people. Phase two was added a few years later. And when we did that, same thing happened. This time, we took our fingers and we wrote in the sandy loam dirt before the foundation was poured, names of lost people. So literally, this church has been built on the prayers for lost people. And probably you, many of you, are the recipients of a brave group of people who said, we need to continue to reach people. And so as I walk through this message, I'm going to walk through and I'm going to show you why I believe God wants us to move on. And then I'm going to show you the picture, the drawings that we have brought together. And we have spent hours, months, and literally two years thinking about this. So some of you will be hearing it for the first time, and you'll have tons of questions. We know that. But keep in mind, there will be presentation meetings that you can go to that many of these questions and all these questions will have a chance to be answered. So, so know this. There have been multiple drawings that have been taken to the, to the architect. There have been tons of hours thought and processing put into it. There have been tons and tons of of hours praying and your leadership team and the elders and pastors have prayed about this and we have sought the Lord. I have sat with people along the way. We We have looked at different venues. I have made offers on different venues. We have looked at different places we, we, we have searched all over, and there have been all kinds, and all along the way, we've been saying this to God. God, if this isn't what you want, shut the door. Just make it so clearly obvious that it's not great to us. And he has. We've stepped out and pursued, shut the door. We stepped out and pursued, and we said, if you want us to continue, keep that door wide open. And he has. And so today, you will see At the end of my message, this vision we believe that God wants us to step into. Very exciting day. Grab your Bibles and I'll show you why I believe we should attempt great things for God. And turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. If you need a Bible, put your hand in the air. Our ushers will put a Bible in your hand. Turn to Matthew 25 and we're going to read verses 14 to 18 to begin this message today. Matthew 25 verses 14 to to 18. Stand with me when you find it, and we'll read it out loud together. Matthew 25, verses 14 to 18. Let's read this out loud. Now, keep in mind, as before you read this, think about this. This is Jesus. He's looking at this group of people, and he's telling a story. He's saying, this is what happens if So the story is, this is a story, he's saying, this is what happens when you don't use your talents, your gifts and abilities. So he he tells the story, much like I'll use an illustration to explain something. This is Jesus' illustration to explain a truth. He was the master storyteller. And it's loaded with all kinds of nuggets of truth. Matthew 25, let's read verses 14 to 18. Ready, read. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. You may have a seat. Three men, each has a different amount of a bag of of wealth. One man has one bag. One man has two bags. One man has five bags. And Jesus is going to show us 
that each one of us either has one talent, two talents, or five talents, 100 talents, or 50,000 talents. But he wants us to use those talents, gifts, ability, resources, finances, and wealth to invest in the kingdom. And you're going to watch what happens to these three individuals. The one talent man buries it in the ground. The two talent man invested in the kingdom and it gets doubled. The five talent man, he invested, uses his gifts, abilities, skills, and talents, and it multiplies, it doubles. And he becomes what we understand as a 10 talent man. That's my hope. My hope is that Grace Community Church individually and corporately are 10 talent Christians. And if today you're not, the passage says, once they heard this, they went at once and made that happen. So my hope is this. If you haven't lived this way, you will go at once and become this person because there's danger. There is something that happens if you bury your talent. And literally, you'll see at the end of this passage. So right away, we see that Jesus rewards differently. Jesus gives back differently. Let me just pull away and say this in regards to finances. I have never seen a person that tithes struggle with their finances. Never. Never. I have never seen someone who regularly gives to Jesus, ever gives to Jesus, not receive what they need to make it. But I have seen people who do not tithe people who somehow think that they bury their gift in the ground, that somehow their investments are better than what God can do. I have never seen someone who has tithe not being provided for by the Lord. Never, never seen it. Never seen it. But I have seen person over. It's interesting. I watch people who struggle financially. And the first thing I ask them, are you a regular tither to the ministry of, of, of the church? And I can tell you over and over and over and over, they'll say this, well, we can't. We talk about it. We don't do it. You see, if we do it, then we won't have enough. And I say, wait a minute, you got it backwards. If you do it, you'll have enough. That's the picture in Scripture. It's a faith test. I've never seen anyone who, who, who has the regular ability and then chooses to, to give to God, ever, ever go without. Anyhow, there is nothing conservative in this passage about following Jesus. Eugene Peterson looked at this account and he said it this way. We only go to areas that we know we can shine. We should seek areas in our lives that cause us to practice. Areas that stretch us. We avoid these areas like the plague. Let me just ask you a question. Ask the person who knows you best today. Whoever that is. Could be a wife, could be a husband, could be a mom, could be a dad, could be a friend, could be a boss, could be a coach, could be a counselor. It could be someone in your life. It could be a, a, a person who's caring for you. It could be a mentor. Ask them this question. What is the one area in your life right now where you are stepping out in faith and risking God's reputation? Just ask that question and say, okay, do you see any area in my life where I am stepping out in faith? I'm risking everything. Where I'm saying, Lord, you've given me these two talents. Lord, you've given me these five talents. And Lord, I'm stepping out in faith and I'm using them. Listen, if they can't find an area, then most likely you are the one talent Christian. Listen, but the Bible says, but they heard this from Jesus and they went at once and changed and made right what was done wrong. When I come to hearing these words, and I hear these words, and it comes to hearing these, we can't play it safe. Each one of us has been entrusted with resources, talents, gifts, and abilities from God. Every single one of you. Listen to me. You've been created in the image of Jesus. No matter what your past says, God loves you, he believes in you, and he has empowered you, and he wants to use you to do great things. And when we turn those gifts and abilities back to him, listen, The sky's the limit with what God can do with us. Each of us have talents and gifts and abilities. However, many somehow think that if we risk everything and lose it, that God loses it too. I've talked to people like that. Like, I can't do that. What happens if, if I go on this adventure? And what if I take this business and I try this new business and it goes belly up? 
What's going to happen to me? And what's, what's going to happen to God? Like somehow, if we fail at something, that God fails too. Or somehow, if we lose it all, that God loses it too. You ever think God looks down and says, boy, I lost everything on that deal. No. He owns it all. It's not like somehow because of us, he loses it too. But he wants us to step out in faith and attempt great things for him. I love what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 24. He said, run in such a way to get the prize. The prize is those two life-altering words. Well done. Now, you can have people say a lot of good things about you. You can have someone tell you that they're proud of you. And it moves you deeply. You can have someone say, hey, I believe in you. And it empowers you to keep at it. You can have someone tell you, I love you, and it speaks to you. But to have the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe who created you in the image of God, and to stand before him and have him say to you, well done. There are no better words you could ever receive. Amen? There are no better words. But the problem is this. Those two words... Some treat these words like we do our steak. Well done. Cook it long, slow, and without a trace of blood. We should be saying, instead, give me the knife, I'll butcher the cow, and let me eat it myself. I'm going to step out, God. If it means I got to walk, and I got to run, and I got to get bloody, and I got to trust you, and it means I got to run him down, then you know what? I'm going to do it. But some of us are like, oh. That's too hard. It's too difficult. In order to hear well done from God, we got to step out in faith. You and I were never made to live life in a prevent defense mode. Oh, every time I see a team do it, I just want to scream. No! Some of you watched the Super Bowl, and I did too. My wife and I watched it together. We happened to be waiting for our flight to fly back to America, and we were in Hawaii, and, and we were in this restaurant and had like, 170,000 TVs. It was awesome. They were all on the wall. And, and it was all Patriot fans. Everybody in Hawaii roots for the Patriots. It wasn't like Indiana, that was for sure. And uh, so first half, you know, the Falcons were up. And man, they were, they were pressing it. And they were, they were, they were taking, uh, taking risk to throw the ball downfield. And man, their offense was gelling. And they were up. And it's like, wow, look at the Atlanta Falcons. And all of Indiana was saying, yeah. Patriots are going to get beat. And if you could just turn the TV off at, at halftime, you know, and that was it. And some of you went to bed and you woke up the next morning like, no. But something happened to the Falcons in the second half. They went into this thing called prevent defense. They went into this thing that, hey, we're ahead. We're far enough ahead, aren't we? We don't need to score. We just need to make it to win. The last second ticks off the clock. But the Patriots, what did they do? They kept coming after it. They kept taking risks. They went on fourth down over and over. They went after it. And the Falcons were content. Three, run to the right, run to the left, run to the center, punt. And they ran off the field. You know what happened to them? They lost because they didn't take risks. They didn't play like their life depended on it. You know what they did? They relied on the first half of their lives and said, we were good in the first half. And that's good enough. But somehow God gives us a second half of our lives. And some of you are still living off the victories of the first half of your life where you risk and something happens, the closer we get to the end of the game, we take less risk. We go into prevent defense mode. And then God is saying, no! Listen to me. As long as you and I have breath, we're supposed to step to the front lines. And we're supposed to give everything we got and put it all on the line. Because if we don't, this text shows us that we will. And many, listen to me, Many seasoned Christians have all these reasons why they don't jump back in. They're mad at someone. They're mad at this. And they believe this. You should have done it this way and that way. So in their mind, they're justified. Then I'm not being part of that. 
because they didn't do it the way I wanted. And they go into this prevent defense, this prevent the, the defense that says, hey, somehow we'll make it to the end. And in this passage, you know what happens? God takes their talent from them. And I watch it happen over and over. People who were frontline Christians. Now, I'm mad. I'm upset. They didn't do it my way. Listen, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Are you that person who's coasting? You know what happened to the Atlanta Falcons? They lost. Because they believed that all the effort of the first half of their game, the first half of their life was enough. And Jesus is saying, as long as you have breath until the buzzer sounds, all in, baby, all in. Don't wait till tomorrow. I love this text here because it says this. Look again at Matthew chapter 25. In verse 16, it says, the man who received five bags of gold. How long did he wait? What's it say? He went what? At once. Listen, today's your at once. You might be in that second half and you think, well, I've served my time. I've done my time. I'm mad. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do this. I'm stepping out until they get it right and believe in me and believe in this and believe in that. I'm not giving. I'm not serving. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. And God is saying, listen to me. If you keep that mindset, I'm going to take your resources. I'm going to take your talents. I'm going to give it to the man who invested the five and is a 10-talent Christian. I'm just going to pass it on. Fear keeps us from moving forward in the direction the Spirit is leading us to go. And Jesus is telling this parable to remind us that there is too much at stake to not be reaching higher, deeper, longer, and further. We can't say, praise God for the group that built this building. We've done enough work. We've reached enough. The church is big enough. Like when I hear that, I want to scream, what are you talking about? When I hear someone say, it's, church is too big, I don't want it to get bigger. Who may give you the right to decide who stops and who continues to get saved? Really, who gave you that right at such a selfish response? When 150,000 people will go to hell today if we don't reach them. So listen to me, man, too much is at stake. We can't say, well, look what God has done. As long as I have breath and you have breath, God wants us to reach those people who are far from God. Do you believe that? Listen, you believe it by then stepping into it and becoming part of it then. Verses 16 and 18 said they went at once. They didn't wait. They stepped right in. You see, you can't die for Christ if you aren't willing to live for him. So what investment are you making right now in the kingdom? Are you coasting? You used to, could have, would have, was. And now you're second half. Like, Jesus is saying, get back up. Get back in the game. Set aside all your preferences. Serve me to the end like today could be your last day of life. Why? Because one day all of us have to give account of our lives to Jesus. Jesus tells a story. Look what happens. Look again at verse 19. After a long time, the master... In other words, there will come a day, the Bema seat. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. In other words, Jesus said, after a long time, their lives came and said, this is how I live my life, Jesus. This is what I did by the time I was zero to 20, 20 to 30, 30 to 60, 60 to 80, whatever it is. This is my life. I'm going to settle my accounts. What do you think, God? What do you think I did with my life? He says, after a long time, they settled accounts with them. Look at verse 20. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied. What did he reply? What are the two words? Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful of a few things. I will put you in charge of what? What's it say? Many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold? See, I have gained two more. The master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I know you're a hard man. Harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. 
So I was what? What's the word? Afraid. And went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here it is. What belongs to you? His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with what? What's it say? Interest. Powerful truth here, Grace Community, individually and corporately. When we're faithful with a little and we give God the glory, he gives us much to be faithful with. One of the basic principles that Ann and I have encouraged our kids along the way as parents is to be faithful in your giving. And our children, since they have been little, allowance money, any money that they've been given to them and earned, we've asked them to tithe. And our kids have been tithing since they've been three and four and five years old. And it's a principle that they understand. And so they give, and they still give. Our two adult children are still tithing to the local church and giving offerings to the local church. Why? When you've been faithful with little, I will give you much. And you can never out interest on your own what God can do when you give back to him what is his already. See, these basic principles that we need to teach our children, principles of being faithful, integrity, yet your yes be yes, let your no be no, these principles that we tried to pass down to them saying, listen, you might not want to do these, but when you're faithful in the little, guess what will happen? God will elevate you and put you in charge of much. And all along the way, we have watched where God has given our kids a platform to share the good news, to teach. We watched him work in their lives, even in their jobs as adults. We're watching them giving, watching in Isaiah's life, God's given him a platform to use the name of Jesus. Why? Because he's been faithful and little. Maybe the very reason, maybe the very reason you're not seeing what you want to see happen in your life is because you thought you could invest like this one talent Christian, buried in the ground and do better with your own resources and talents than God. God is saying, step out to the deep end and go for it. And I will reward you. I have never seen, ever seen a Christian who is a regular tither to Jesus Christ not have God provide for them. Never. I can't tell you how many conversations I have had with people who struggle with their finances. Let me speak to husbands here for a second that are here today. Don't be that husband who has your wife comes to you and say, honey, we need to tithe. And you're the man who says, nope, we can't make it. Don't be that husband. Don't be the husband that that thwarts the faith of his wife, that shuts her down where she goes on her own and she's on her knees praying. Don't be that husband that shuts down the faith of your kids, the faith of your wife. Don't be that husband who says, no, we can't go on that trip. We can't do that mission thing. We can't serve. We can't be part of that group because we don't have time. Don't be that husband who's constantly shutting down the faith of his wife because you know what? You will pay in the end for that. Free your wives up. Free your kids up to soar on their own. That's what God has called us to do as parents. Let them have their own faith. Let them experience. Let me just say this. I'll pull away one more thing about this. I have often sat with people who struggle in their finances. And I ask them this question. Do you tithe regularly to the local church? (laughs) Over and over and over and over and over again. No, but we're thinking about it. (laughs) Do you really think that somehow you can manage God's resources better than he can with the 10% you get back to him? No, and that's, God has given us this. He says, trust me in this. So are are you faithful in the little thing? Mark Batterson said it this way. Sometimes God wants to stack the odds against us so we can experience a miracle of divine proportions. Let me just speak on a personal note today about grace community and about the position that God has chosen to put me in. God gives influence God places people in places and he can take it away. 
God has given me a position at Grace Community with great responsibility. And God has always placed, and you're those people, God has always placed people around me who are willing to take steps of faith. And because you were willing and those before you were willing, we stepped out and believed. And because of that, he's given us greater responsibility. He would not stop giving us more responsibility. Why would he ever say, I am finished reaching lost people? Never. God would never do that. Let me be really honest. If it was up to Ann and I, seriously, then we could just pull away. Some of you know us very well. If it was up to Ann and I, we would have never chosen this path. Yes, trust in Jesus. Go on for Jesus. Jesus will do anything. But it was up to us. We would live in a log cabin in the woods with a beach nearby, and we would not live in a glass house. And everywhere we go, everyone watches us. And everywhere our kids go, everyone watches them. There is no way we would have ever chosen that path. But that's what God wanted. And so we said, Lord, here I am. Use me. And this man with the two talents and this man with the five talents trusted in Jesus. There is no big or small, easy or difficult, possible or impossible when it comes to God. There are no degrees of difficulty. There are no odds when it comes to God. All bets are off. You see, we should speak boldly what we believe deeply. So what happens? Look at the end of this chapter. Look what happens at the end. Verse 26 is, the master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew, how, where, knew that I harvest where I've not sown. And then he gets to verse 28. He says, so take the bag of gold from him. Take his talent, take his gift, take his resources And give it to the one who has what? What's it say? Come on, come on. What's it say? How many bags? What's God saying? Like somehow if we don't use it? You're saying, God, if I don't use my gift, my talent, my resources, my ability, if I am somehow choosing to step out of the game for a period of time, what will you do with it? He says, I'll take it from you. I'll take that gift that you have. I'll take that position that you have. I'll take that resource that you have. I'll take that situation from you. And I will give it to someone who already has 10 talents, but someone who's willing to continue to invest it in the kingdom. Why? Because God wants to continue to see us reach farther, deeper, wider, and longer. Look what it says. For whoever has will be given what? How much? What's it saying, 29? More. Come on. Verse 29. For whoever has will be given what? More. How much? More. And they will have and what? Abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I often picture it like this. God, when he sends us on an adventure, we often pack what we would call a backpack. And if you ever go on an adventure for the Lord, you take your supplies, whatever it is, and you wear a backpack. And just on a personal note, this backpack has been in China, Hong Kong, Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand, Iraq, Kurdistan, and many other places. It's been to the Gulf Shore, all kinds of places. And every time I put this on, I'm reminded of a call that God has placed in front of us that we went out on. And if you've ever been on mission trips with me and others, you often remember me, it's Jim, follow the turtle. That's what they say, follow the turtle, the shell. But this was meant to be on your back when you, when this is a backpack. It's us stepping out and saying, Lord, here I am. Send me. I'm ready. I'm going to take my gifts, talents, and abilities. I'm not wasting my time on earth. I'm going to use it. But what has happened to many Christians, they have taken their back pack and made it a front pack. You ever watch people who are afraid? They walk around like this. Well, they're afraid. I don't want anybody to take this. I have seen teammates do this. I have watched people... Now, now, metaphorically speaking, this is the picture of some Christians. This pack was designed for our back. 
and we have taken our talents, our resources, and abilities, and we've made it a front pack. Why front pack? Because we can control it. We can watch it. We can hold on to it. And somewhere in our twisted minds, we believe that we can protect this better than God can. And many of us take these front packs, which were meant to be backpacks, and we take our resources and our abilities, and we keep it, and we pull out a shovel, and we think, oh, these are protective things that God has given me, these talents, these resources, the ability. I better bury it in the ground. And so we dig a hole, and we bury it in the ground. And God says to us, he takes those gifts, those abilities, and he hands it off to the 10 talent Christian who says, put it on the back. I'm going to the front lines. Let me ask you a question. I want you to ask the person that knows you the best today. I want you, if you have a backpack at home, I want you to say, place this on me. Am I a front pack person or a back pack person? And say, here, I want you to be as honest as can be. Now, listen, I'm not talking about what, what God has already done in me. Today. Right today. Because this pastor says they heard it and at once they acted. I want you to give it to your sons and your daughters and your husbands and wives and say, what kind of Christian am I? Not what I was last year. Not what I was two years ago. But today. And say, place this where you think I am. Listen to me, Grace. My prayer is that they don't put it on the front where you think you are safe and secure. Jesus is talking business here today. And he's reminding us that there's a great work to do. Eugene Peterson translated these verses this way, verses 26 to 29. Just listen. This is what he said. The master was furious. Jesus was furious. And said this, that's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. And if you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with the bankers where at least I would have gotten a little interest. Take the thousand and give it to the one who risks the most. And get rid of this play it safe, prevent defense who won't go out on a limb. Throw him into utter darkness. Let me ask you a question. Did you live life with an all-out abandon for Jesus at one time? But for some reason, you checked out of that life. Now's the chance to get back in the game and to reach people who have never been reached with the gospel. So as I think about these next steps, let me just say this personally. There have been many highs. There have been many challenges. But we have never stopped seeking the Lord. And this is the vision we believe was birthed out of prayer and fasting and time spent with God. And it is exciting. This is why we're going to do this. Take a look at this video. Jesus came to save people that are lost. We believe that he does this through blessing and equipping churches that will stand up and say, here I am, use me. In 2003, 250 people in a small church on Clinton Street did just that. They knew they were called to do a job and that job could not be completed in the space they were in. These 250 stepped out in faith, sacrificed beyond what they ever had before, and gave $3 million to build what is now Grace Community Church. Because of their faith, opening Sunday in the new building grew their numbers from 250 to over 1,200 people. Overnight, the new building was not enough. 
Two years later, the now group of 1,500 sacrificed yet again to meet the needs of their community. $3.3 million was raised to add a full children's ministry, a larger foyer, and our alternate venue, The Link. Since this addition, we have seen thousands of people come to know Jesus as their Savior. We have seen families turn to Jesus and a church rise up to serve their community like those original 250 never could have imagined. We are thankful for this, and we give God the glory. 200,000 people live in Elkhart County. Of those 200,000, 150,000 do not have a church to call home. That should not sit well in your heart. Right now, somebody's husband, wife, child, grandchild, aunt or uncle is sitting in isolation, waiting for somebody to reach out and be Jesus. Why not us? We are once again at a crossroads. Our Sunday morning services are overflowing to the point that families are turned away because they are unable to find a seat. Our lobbies are cramped and uninviting, forcing newcomers to feel uncomfortable and stressed. Our infant and toddler areas are full of new life, but are unable to accommodate additional children due to restrictions on space. AXIS, our growing youth ministry, has no place to call home. With an ambitious goal to double the size of our youth ministry, we are in need of a solution that can be a safe haven for the youth of Elkhart County. Parking is congested, and bottlenecks place an added burden on our incredible parking crew. Our tech systems are now almost 15 years old and are in need of refurbishment and replacement so more people will have the opportunity to hear and see the love that is Jesus Christ. Lastly, the Lodge is in need of refurbishment in order to meet codes so that Jesus can penetrate into the town of Syracuse and be a place for all people to refresh, refuel, and come alive. So what is the solution? We are embarking on a journey that will involve two phases of expansion and growth. And phase one begins right now. Even as I look across the congregation today, I see people I didn't know before we moved here. I see my friend Art Henderson. It's good to see you today, brother. And uh, Grace reached out to Art and Pam. And Art gave his life to Christ here and is alive today. I see others I didn't know. I didn't know Amy Helmuth and Tommy Simpson and Howard Melody. And see what God's done in your life. I see people, Keith, I didn't know you. And watch God work in your life. And Jeremy and Lily didn't know you. And the Brocks didn't know you. And I watched unbelievable story in your lives the last couple of years. And I think if we didn't say yes, then we would never met and reach these people. And I just wonder sometimes as I... Who will fill your seats that needs Jesus? And if we're not willing to invest in the kingdom, then what's it say about our faith and what we believe about our God? My hope is this, that, that we become 10 talent Christians and that it never stops. I'll just say this, as long as God allows me to have this platform at Grace Community Church, I'll be gumming people to Jesus in my 90s. <laughs> And uh, to be honest, I'm just saying, you go with me, and we'll go with God. And we have a chance to stand before our Lord and God one day and for him to say, well done. It's the best word you'll ever hear. So some of you might be wondering, how do you, how do, you do that? And I'm going to show you here in a second, but let me just say a few things before I show you some slides. There will be some adjustments that will be made. Service times will be adjusted because of our need to have space for our children's ministries. And so we'll adjust the first service time, move it forward some, or 
however you look at it. Be, it won't be 8 o'clock. It'll be around 8.45. This service time will adjust. The third service time will adjust so that we can have prime service times so that we can have as many people possible in this service and in the link and then have space to reach and multiply our children's ministry. That's phase one. Phase two is another picture, and I'll show you in a second. But the reason we're able to do this is because of the heroes of our past. And I don't know if you know the history of grace, but in 1954, look at this first slide. In 1954, there were a group of people, 100 people. And think about that. 1954, who stood on the property on Clinton Street. They circled their hands, and they said, Lord, we believe that you want us to reach Goshen. (laughs) And we get to stand on the shoulders of these heroes of the past. Aren't you grateful for this group of people? Some of you will meet them in heaven. And there was a pastor, first church, that planted this church. Next slide. He believed too, and God spoke through him and said, this is where God wants me to plant a church. And because of his faith and the faith of his people, we get to continue the legacy of this early bunch. They even had a groundbreaking ceremony back in 1955 where they do what we would do. They, they, they grabbed the elders and leaders of the church, and they said, Lord, use us. And because of their faith, we get to stand on their shoulders, and we get to experience what we're experiencing today. Our first step is phase one, and it's roughly $4.2 million, 4.4. I just want to give you a video, an aerial view of what that will look like. Take a look at it, and then we'll break it down. It's the West Foyer. You can see there's this thing on the right that I'm going to be talking about in a second. You'll notice there's a new wing here for the children's ministries. And on the back, new youth, senior and junior high, and another lounge, and much more. But that's the aerial view. And let me show you what what our desires are. Let me show you an outside view of the building. Next slide. This is what it will look like. And you can see the green space here is the building that we have right now. All the gray spots are where we'll be adding. It's roughly a 24,000 additional add to our building. As you can see, the parking, we'll be adding more parking out here in our green space that we purchased just this past year. And you also notice this. Look at this entrance. It is paved. You see that? No more white stripes. No more me telling you what to do with your white stripes. Take a bucket out, take a sponge, get your hose out, and you go like this. When people ask me about the stripe, that's what I tell them. Come here, let me tell you what you need to do. Grab a hose, grab some detergent, and go like this and say, I love you, Jesus. (laughs) But you can see from an aerial view, this is what it can look like. The next slide up. This is first floor inside drawings. You can see it, and I'm going to explain here in a second what this is, but there's a play place here, and it'll be on the West Foyer out here. This is a place where we want people, parents, to bring their children through the day, when there's school, when it's a snow day, when it's in the heart of the winter. Moms or dads can bring their kids and play in this state-of-the-art playland that can have as many as 160 kids in it at one time. You can sit in this foyer as parents and interact with other moms and do life together or other dads. There's an event room here too that you can host birthday parties. You can sit in here and do life. And this is open to the community. How many moms could be reached and fathers could be reached that are looking for a place to bring their kids to, they could come right to us and we'll have volunteers and we'll figure all that out, how to staff that, that can do life on life with them and can introduce them to Jesus Christ and a place for our community to go to. The best thing that we have now is McDonald's and who wants to take their kids there? It'll be bacteria free. We'll have to be able to clean it. It'll be fun. But that's one wing. We also will have a new junior and senior high two-story. This is the bottom floor. This is for our senior high access. They will have a place of their own. Praise God for that. A place of their own. It's an opportunity for them to walk through the hallway 
in between the link and the main, there would be a corridor and there would also be a junior and senior high lounge that can double as a place for meetings. And at the top floor, we'll look in a second here, there's a second story for junior high. You also see out here in the foyer, the store entrance will now become an entrance for our crawlers and our tiny tots. And we will add the space so that our kids can grow and we can put more kids in our services. You will also notice in the north foyer, we will have our store will be placed here and we'll add it off, much needed office space for, for staff and future hires. So you're seeing from a, a visual perspective, go to the next slide, please. From the second floor, you also notice that there's a junior high access room. They'll have their own gathering place. You also know that there's a 56th street where, where four, four, fifth, and sixth graders can come instead of meeting on the far end. They'll have their own gathering space in the wing altogether. And what that means is that this existing training room is now where we go on Wednesday nights. Adults can now move from this room to the link First floor below this on Wednesday nights for prayer encounter. This will become an adult classroom. And so you're seeing that now it's reaching children, youth, and adults. Next slide up. This is our access lounge that's on the far wing. This is a place where junior high and senior high can hang out before they actually go. Instead of having to spending time out in the West foyer. We value children. We believe that's the generation now. And we believe we can equip them and share Christ with them that they can become the generation that reaches the world for Jesus Christ. We long to see our youth ministries double in size. Next slide. This is our senior high first floor drawing. You notice that you step down into this room. It also becomes another auditorium to meet in. This steps up with chairs and booths to, to, to meet in, but our senior high will have their own place to meet and gather and grow in Christ together, a place where it's theirs and the leaders can spend time. Show you the next slide. This is the junior high, second floor. It's a picture for them. Same thing. They'll have their own place, games and tables and stage and sound system. And we're going to even take our sound from this room and use it in other venues. So we are reusing some of our equipment. Next slide. It'll show you a picture of the junior high gathering place. It's a place for them to gather and grow in Christ. Next slide up. This is the front view from the West parking lot coming in. We want people to be able to see this. We want this to become a place that people regularly come to it at our sign hours that we'll set into place. We'll be working on that. Our hope is to break ground in June and be finished by January. So in the heart of next winter, moms and dads will have a place in the community, even people who don't attend here, unsaved people, and our volunteers and those of you who know Christ will be able to sit with them and share the gospel and potentially lead a mom and a family to Jesus Christ right here at Grace Community Church. Praise God for that. Next slide. This is a drawing rendition, potentially, of what it's going to be like. This is just an artist. We, by the way, we are getting the best there is to offer. We want to do the best job, have the, the, the most creative, fun experience for your kids and probably some parents too. But this is a, a great place. This is a picture. You'll see that there'll be a place for the parents to sit. They will be the ones that care for their kids. They will be the ones that are responsible. But you'll do life on life with a neighbor. You'll do not life on life with one of those 150,000 people who doesn't know Jesus. And in this room, people could come to Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. Next slide. We have a desire down at the lodge. If you've been down there, we have these brick buildings that we want to renovate. The state has shut them down. They won't let kids or camps stay in there. So we want to renovate them. We want to take and put a his and hers on both sides, put a kitchen in the center, a large gathering area that retreats and small groups can go to, and camps can stay in there and renovate both of these buildings down at the lodge. Next slide. We are also already with the money that was designated for future builds, we are building a brand new caretaker's place to live in so they don't have to live in the lodge. We can utilize those rooms for more housing, for uh, retreats and camps and those things. And where the building used to be, where all those raccoons were, remember the video I put up? 
This will replace that. Praise God. Praise the Lord for that. Next slide. This is phase two. This is what could happen, and I believe it can. If 250 people gave $3.3 million, then imagine what 2,500 people could do. If you said, I'm all in, we would love to have 100% participation. So we already have this dream, like, God, if you provide... We got this 8 million plus dream out there too. And if your people would give like they're able to, then we'll just go right to phase two. And phase two allows us to build a multi-purpose auditorium with three rooms in it, with doors that go from floor to ceiling, with inside soccer arenas, one on the left, one on the right, so that we can have events in our community where we can do indoor soccer for for your children and reach out to our community. And this worship room will house over 2,000 people at one time. Great news for that. It'll give a chance for the community to reach out. A large gathering area and other rooms. This is a rough drawing of that. I want to show you what that would look like on video for phase two. Take a look at this. West side, you can see the playland. We'll be moving around to the north side here in a second. You can see the entrances. All the dark areas are the present building. You see, we believe our dream should be big enough that if someone moved in God's heart, we can say, yes, we want to reach this community for Jesus Christ. That's not my vehicle because it's not a Jeep, but it's a cool vehicle. Anyhow. So you might be asking this question, or maybe someone will ask you this question. Why do you keep building buildings? Let me tell you, it's not about us. And we believe we can use the building to facilitate ministry to reach more people for Jesus. And here's what we believe. Your elders, your pastors, your leadership team will tell you this. We're not going to wait for someone else to reach him. God has called us to reach him. And we want to be 10 talent Christians. We want to be 10 talent fathers and mothers We never want to get to the second half of our lives like the Atlanta Falcons did and coast on the shirt tails of our successes in the first half. As long as there is breath and as long as there are lost people, God has called us to reach them. Amen? Pastor John is going to come along with our vision team, and he's going to share some of the details how you can be part of this. About this, it's exciting. I hope you're going to want to get involved. And if you're asking, how can you get involved? This is what I want to tell you guys. Uh, ushers are coming forward right now and passing out papers to give you some instructions on how you can get plugged into this. Over the next five weeks, we're going to keep talking about this vision, about why it's so important that we reach our community. And on March the 26th, we'll come ready to pledge, ready to be able to give to what God wants to do here to be able to build uh, these uh, projects. So on March 26th, that's the date. Between now and then, we're going to be holding uh, different workshops that you can come to to learn all the information. We're calling them info huddles, where you can get a chance to get in the game. We can hear the information, ask your questions, kind of kind of just see the details of it a lot in a lot greater detail than what Jim is able to share on a Sunday morning. And so you can go to our website. It is live right now. You can go to the website, find, click on one of the links, and uh, you can find one of the times. We're going to have uh, info huddles on Monday nights, Thursday nights. We're going to have them on Tuesday afternoons. If you maybe get off work at noon or so or one o'clock, we'll have one at one o'clock every Tuesday afternoon for the next five weeks, every Monday night, every Thursday night. We'll have them on Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. And we'll have some on the Sundays when we don't have small groups. We have some Sunday evenings available as well. So you click on there and you reserve the number of tickets that you need for your family. If there's two adults or there's some teenagers, I hope that teenagers are going to come to this event. I hope that teenagers and young adults are going to come to these events and be able to give because we want to reach your peers. You guys have a chance to give to that. 
um, that's, that's kind of exciting to think about. So you reserve the number of tickets that you guys need. We'll provide child care. Um, and so you can put in there how many kids maybe you'll be bringing. If you need child care for the, these events, they will last 60 minutes. So they're not going to be terribly long, 60 minutes. We get a chance to hear from some of the, uh, the vision casters that are behind me are going to be leading these uh, meetings and giving this information to you. They believe in the vision and want to be a, a part of it. So you will get your packet there, which will explain everything that's happening. You'll have your own drawing and, and, and your own information sheet, all that kind of stuff you'll get at those info huddles. So it's important that you sign up for those. Now, if you are a small group leader, you're getting an email, a communication from Pastor Mike. Um, we want to know all the families that are in your small group currently, and we want to know when you meet in the month of March as a small group. Because if you're in a small group, hear this, if you're in a small group, you don't need to sign up for one of the presentations. We'll send one of our teams to your small group, and you guys can hear it there. And so uh, if you're not in a small group, you don't need to sign up. You, one, of your, uh, one of somebody will come to you. Unless you want to hear it twice, you're welcome to sign up for one of the workshops too. If you are in the pursuit, I'll be coming there on March the 7th to share with you guys. If you are in sea salt, we'll be coming, uh, sending somebody to your group as well in March. And so you don't necessarily need to sign up for one of the groups either. So it's pretty exciting, but small group leaders, make sure you get back to Mike when he sends that message to you. You're going to be getting emails today reminding you about this. If you're in our directory, you'll be getting those emails. If you're not getting it, then we need your updated email in our directory, by the way. All right, March the 26th is when you'll come back, hopefully ready with an offering and uh, with a pledge about what you're able to give over the next three years is a three-year campaign. You'll get this all explained to you in the info huddle. Above your regular giving to Grace, what you believe you could do to be a part of this. Our goal is 100% participation. We want everybody to be a part of the team and be a part of what God is doing. You don't want to miss out on what God does in this next season of Grace because, uh, because you weren't able to be a part of it. All right, will you pray with me, guys? Will you stand up? Will you stand up in the link and let's pray about what God wants to do and we'll close out this service with this great song. Lord Jesus, we love you and we say thank you for the opportunity to be a part of a church family, God. Thank you for the vision that you have given our elders and our pastors, God, to be able to reach this community. So many in our church are hungry for this. They've been waiting for us to come and say, here's what we're doing. And God, we pray that this will be the time where our church comes together, Lord, where you enable us to give and give beyond what we even think we could. And God, be able to to reach this community. There's 150,000 people, God, who yet to know you. Our church isn't big enough, Lord. Sometimes it feels overwhelming. But God, while there's unchurched people in our community, our church is too small. Lord, we need to reach every single one. We need to reach one more. God, I pray that you would do that through us. In your name we pray. Amen.